0: power
1: in the same way for our lives, I really believe that gratitude, especially in our generation, is a superpower. And I don't mean the superpower like Superman, but I mean, like, we live in a world that no one is ever happy anymore, you know? And there's this concept I've been thinking about that when you, when you focus on what you have, you gain what you think you lack. And when you focus on what you don't have, you lose what you actually have.
0: All the research books and TED Talks of the past several years have reminded us that the Bible had it right all along. Today, Pastor Daniel shared that the concepts of gratitude and thankfulness that are peppered throughout Scripture make a profound difference when you apply them to your daily life. You'll be encouraged to think about your focus. Are you grateful for what you have, or are you dwelling on what you think you're lacking? Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Nehemiah chapter 12, as he begins his message, Stay the Course. Jesus said.
1: talking about this idea of restoration, and and if you think about any time that you're trying to restore something, to bring something to a better condition than it was before, you realize that you always have a goal in mind, and something amazing happens when you reach that goal. Like, I think about our founding pastor. If you know the founding pastor here at Crossroads, Pastor Bill Ritchie, about 10 years ago, actually, but more like 11 years ago now, uh, Pastor Bill decided he wanted to lose a bunch of weight, and, and he did it. He lost 60 pounds. But what's, and that was impressive in and of itself, but what's even more impressive is that t- 10 years later, he's kept the weight off. You know, and if you do the research, and many of us know this from experience, you lose the weight, but then most people put the weight on again very quickly. Why? Because it's one thing to get to your goal. It's another thing to do what needs to be done to sustain the goal, Right? It's one thing to, hey, I'm trying to get from here to here, and then you get here, and then once you're here, can you keep it? I remember my first car, one of my, be my favorite car that I've ever owned. I had a 1971 Orange Volkswagen Carmen Ghia. Couldn't you see Fusco driving an old VW? <laughs> totally, right? And it was a cool car, except I'm on the East Coast. So if you know anything about old Volkswagens on the East Coast, because it, snows and they dump all the sand and the, and the, and the salt, it just rust. these things become rust buckets. So I remember when I got that orange, and I put a big old speaker system in the back, you know, it's like I, got, I had the pink Floyd, I need to be louder than, than the sound of the muffler. You know, you, you know these things, right? So I, it was so loud, right? And it looked great. And then I'll never forget, my dad's like, no know what the problem's gonna be? I'm like, what? He's like, we're gonna have to keep it looking like this. And sure enough, like eight months later, rust starts popping out in the rear wheel wells, both of them. I'm like,
0: man,
1: right? And and then obviously it's a Volkswagen, so every day you got to clean the carburetor out. You know, there's all this stuff going on, because it's like, it's one thing to get it restored, and it's another thing to keep it amazing. Now, I bring this up because today we're closing out the book of Nehemiah, right? And we're calling the series Honest because What I love about the Bible is that the Bible is real about what life is really like. It doesn't give us like these pie-in-the-sky ideas. It's it's rubber meets the road, street level where we all live. And one of the things that I know about my own life and, and about almost everyone I know is that there's always areas that we need growth in. There's always places that need restoration. And it's one thing to actually get it restored, and then it's another thing to maintain the restoration. And for many of us we might be doing well at getting us to the goal that we want to get to, but actually keeping things where it needs to be is where the struggle lies. Like maybe you did a great job of, you know, you were in, you were in tons of financial debt and, and like, you did like the Dave Ramsey style thing and you got yourself out of debt, but now it takes a lot of work to stay out of debt. Maybe the marriage was just really struggling and you did all the hard work to get it together again, but then once you got it there, then it takes a lot of work to keep it there, to keep growing, right? Maybe it's like, man, you know, your background is in, is in drugs and alcohol, and, and you come to Jesus, and you're at rock bottom, and you're like, man, i got to get this together. i got to stop messing with all this stuff. And then you get there. But then do you keep it there? Maybe you're like, man, I, you know, years ago, man, I got to start reading God's word every day. I, I need to live on the word of God. And then you get yourself into a good rhythm of reading the word of God, but then it takes energy to keep reading the word of God. And so sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that the finish line is the finish line when we realize that at the finish line there's a new starting line. And Nehemiah is going to show us that today. He's going to show us. How do we make sure that we stay the course? Because ultimately, the work of restoration in God's economy is not something that is meant to just happen for a bit, like we make some positive changes and then everything falls apart again. But it's something that God wants us to make those changes, and then God's desire is for us to learn how to sustain those changes and walk forward in it. And so in order to get at this, I want you to open up your Bibles, Nehemiah chapter 12. We're going to be picking up in verse 27 of Nehemiah chapter 12, and we're literally going to go Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 27, ultimately to the end of the chapter. So if you brought your Bible with you, the book of Nehemiah is between the book of Ezra and Esther in what we call the Old Testament, these historical books. Now, it's a really beautiful little section, isn't it? Because what we find here, and and I think this is an important principle for all of us, is we have to learn how to praise God for the victories. That Nehemiah came to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. That was what was concerning him. He knew that as long as those walls were broken down, the people of Jerusalem were vulnerable. And so the, the goal was accomplished, and so what does Nehemiah do? He, he makes sure that there is a commemoration of God's faithfulness in the midst of what's going on. And I think it's a lost art today because we live in a, in a pretty immediate culture, which I don't think is a bad thing. But if you don't stop and give God glory for the ways that he has been victorious in your life, no one else is going to do it for you. Isn't it the truth? Like, if you don't stop, like, when you say, Lord, will you do this thing? And then God does it. If you don't stop and say, thank you, Lord, and commemorate what's gone on, no one else is going to do it. I always think of those examples in the scriptures where Jesus heals a group of people, but only one comes back to say, thank you. And in the same way for our lives, I really believe that gratitude, especially in our generation, is a superpower. And I don't mean the superpower like Superman, but I mean like we live in a world that no one is ever happy anymore. You know, and there's this concept I've been thinking about that when when you focus on what you have, you gain what you think you lack. And when you focus on what you don't have, you lose what you actually have. I'm going to say that again. When you focus on what you lack, you lose what you have. And when you focus on what you have, you gain what you lack. And it's all about that perspective. And I love this because Nehemiah, once the work is done, he brings in all the singers and he's like, we're going to have like two, two Thanksgiving choirs and we're going to like go, we're going to have a little parade. We're going to make our way around the city and we're going to praise God. And we're going to end up at the temple and we're going to be praising God. And I love by the time this this section ends, it says, and also that day they offered great sacrifices. They rejoiced for God had made them rejoice with great joy. And the women and the children also rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. There was such joy because the walls needed to be built and God was faithful in doing it. And, and Nehemiah and the people in Jerusalem were faithful in the midst of all of it. But we need to praise God for the victory. Of course, it says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I think this is really important because I realize that not everybody here is a follower of Jesus. And, and I always like to say, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here at Crossroads, we'd love that you're here. And we want you to explore Jesus here with us. You are welcome to be in process here at Crossroads. So thank you, we're humbled and we're honored that you would join us here. But for those of you who are followers of Jesus, even though maybe in a specific battle you don't have victory yet, you have to remember you already have victory in Jesus. We are more than conquerors in Christ. So there is a battle in front of you, yes, but ultimately if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus has already conquered sin and death. And we already have victory in him. And it's just a matter of how is this going to work out in the midst of it all. And so for the believers, we come at every battle and every issue and every deadline and every goal from a place of victory, not just hoping for victory. Because we realize that even in the struggles that we have, we realize that God is doing a a work, that our momentary light afflictions are but for a moment, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in the children of God we have that heavenly and eternal mindset in the midst of many earthly struggles so we have that victory and so in a lot of ways the people of God should be the most joyful people that anyone's ever met Because even though we don't know how a specific skirmish is going to work out or a specific issue is going to work out, we know that we're already conquerors because Jesus walked out of that grave. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. So, like, and that's why I love following Jesus. Because even when I'm, like, looking at something, like, I don't know how this is going to work. This is a mess. I mean, it's never going to happen, you know, because like everyone else, I say those type of things inside. And then the Lord's like, Daniel, what are you worried about? Like, I walked out of that grave. Oh, yeah, sorry, Lord. I forgave you of your sins. Oh, yeah. Right on. So here we see now that the walls have been built and the people are being restored, now they're kind of getting back into the groove of caring for their, their life. And for the people in Jerusalem, you know, the, the temple that was there was the center of their religious life and the center of their public life. And so right away, we we are reminded of the fact that in order for the spiritual well-being of the community, you need those those strong gatherings. And so really, there's a simple principle here because, you know, they have these storerooms that people could bring their their gifts, their generosity. And and the simple principle is, is that generosity keeps us spiritually fit. Generosity keeps us spiritually fit. Now, we talked about this ...in our last message together because we did see this principle of the first fruits, And I, only, I spent some time talking about it, so I don't want to kind of uh, belabor it here today. But he, I believe that generosity, and not only speaking of financial generosity, but just generosity of time, of, of using your gifts and talents, it keeps us spiritually fit... And to be honest with you, I believe it is one of the greatest markers of spiritual maturity. Because we're never more like God than when we're generous. I mean, if you think about it, God gave his only son for me. And so, like, God gave that which was most valuable to himself. And in the same way, what I am constantly learning, and I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this message about what a scary step of faith it was to start being financially generous and serving and all these things, and how much energy it takes to continue to do it, especially in our culture, because the reason financial generosity is so important and it does keep us spiritually fit is because we are in a constant battle to remember what is the source of our lives and where our resources come from. Like, we all have, we have jobs, and, and like you go to your job, you're like, my, so you're like, my, my career is what provides for me, wrong. God provides for you by giving you breath in your lungs and giving you gifts and talents and passions, and then you apply those things to a job, and the resources that are generated from that are actually not from us and from our job, but they're from the Lord, but if we don't remember that, then we think it's from us, and then we develop anxiety about all these things. Right? And so the first battle is to remember, where is our source? God is our source. Second, it's a constant reminder that, remember how we said it's one thing to start doing, it's another thing to keep doing it? Right? It's like, we have a need a continual reminder. I need a continual reminder that it's actually not about what I do, it's about what the Lord does. And I'm constantly reminded of the book of Genesis, the creation of all things. Remember, God created humans on what? The sixth day. What happened on the seventh day? God rested. Was it because God was exhausted? No. Why was the first things that Adam experienced was rest? Because he needed to learn that he doesn't have to work for everything. He starts by resting. And what's amazing is you read in Genesis chapter 3, the curse of Adam and, on Adam and Eve because they ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam's curse was anxiety over work. Hard work, right? And so what you realize is that part of the way Jesus wants to recreate humanity is he wants us to learn that it's not all dependent upon us. And so generosity is one of the spiritual disciplines that God gives us to keep us spiritually fit. I can always tell how someone's walk with Jesus is based on their generosity. You could tell when someone's struggling because they stop being generous the way they used to be. Isn't it the truth? Now, I don't know what anyone gives at crossroads, just so you know. But I do know that when I start doubting the reality of God, God's provision, then I start getting worried about being generous. That's what I know. I'm like, man, I gotta I, I have to be careful with this. Whereas at times when you're just trusting the Lord, like, oh man, no big deal. Like, it's fine, God's got this. And so we see that the children of Israel are being reminded, hey, we, we, these storehouses need to be emptied out and need to be ready to go because people are going to be generous. And of course, this reminds me of Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, where Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy or where thieves can break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys. And where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what Jesus is saying here is that we have to make sure that we do not live our lives and set our treasures on things that the natural course of life, this side of eternity, can diminish what your treasure is. Like, moth and rust are two very natural things. Things that can diminish the value of something. Like uh, I, when I was growing up, I, I collected baseball cards, right? Now, how many of you wish you still had the baseball cards that you collected when you were kids? Yeah, everyone's like, yeah, me, <laughs> right? My dad used to tell me about that. He used to have my dad grew up in Brooklyn. He had all the Brooklyn Dodgers. Like, I used to put them in my bicycle spokes. I want to slap them. You know, I'm like, dude, you're you, you going to retire with those kind of cards if they're in mint condition. But again, it's like, but if your treasure's in the baseball cards, it's like, from a value perspective, a baseball card with a crease in the middle is not nearly as valuable as one in perfect condition. Maybe she's like, man, I've been collecting precious metals because I've always wanted to be a pirate. <laughs> right? But, like, the thing is, is that, like, if you're not careful where you put those things, they can start to diminish their value because of the elements of the nature where rust can come on in. Remember, I talked about my, my, my VW. If my treasure's in my car, and listen, we all like driving, right? But the thing is, is that like once that thing gets a nick, then like you don't want to live your life with your treasure getting a nick. You you need an eternal perspective. Same thing with moth. Now maybe, I mean, how many of you remember mothballs? Yeah, I don't know. They still have mothballs anymore? I don't think so. They probably have better ways to get, but you know, like the idea, if you get moths in your closet, it's like you lose your clothes. Right? I remember we used to go to my aunt's house growing up and it would always have that mothball smell. And I'm like, what's up with that smell? And my mom was like, it was mothballs. I'm like, we don't, why don't we have that smell? She's like, we don't use mothballs. I'm like, good. <laughs> it's the natural ways that things get diminished in their values. And really what he's saying is that in a world where you're going to have cars and you're going to have clothes and you want to keep the things in good sh- shape and you're going to want to have these things, make sure your treasure isn't there. You can enjoy them, but it's not a worthy place for your treasure. And so much of what Jesus wants to do is he wants to refocus us on the big things, the eternal things. So generosity is what keeps us spiritually fit because it constantly reminds us my life is more than the stuff. My life is more than the tile in the kitchen. My life is more than this thing. That there's an eternity, and and Jesus is always focusing us in that way. Now, we're going to move on to Nehemiah chapter 13 now, the last chapter in the book of Nehemiah. And really what's going to happen now is we're going to see that there are still a number of areas where the children of Israel are fighting to maintain what God is doing in their midst. That they've, they've achieved so much, but... That mission creep, that, that loss of focus is going to begin to kind of eat away at what God has been doing. So as we move into the last chapter, it's kind of a bummer what's going on, isn't it? Like you realize that right away that there's all of these issues. And, and, it's, and this is kind of the way life works. I don't know about you. I'm always like, man, once I get there, everything's going to work perfectly. Am I the only one who thinks that way? And then you get there, and does it work perfectly? No. And it's, the Bible's so honest because like, man, they're celebrating the walls and they got the storehouses cleared out and they're ready to live life. And then sure enough, they're reading the law and they realize, oh, we weren't supposed to be intermingling with these folks here. And oh, oh yeah. And then there's this guy named Tobiah who has been one of the, the, the enemies of all this work. And oh, the, the high priest gave him a room right in the, in, in the temple courts and he's just hanging out in there. You know what I mean? Oh, oh yeah. And then we're supposed to honor the Sabbath. And the reason they God sent us into exile was because we didn't keep the Sabbath. And then sure enough, I go away and I come back and everyone's partying on the Sabbath. No big deal. I mean, it's just the Sabbath. And Nehemiah has to reengage in leadership to try and help fix what's starting to fall apart. Now, what does this teach us? My friends, continual improvement is necessary. This is not only true for Nehemiah, but this is true for our lives. Now, I'm not saying that you need improvement on your salvation. Right? Our salvation is perfectly bought for us by Jesus on the cross. He did the work. Our justification is perfect in Jesus. But once we are justified by faith in Jesus because of His finished work, then the sanctification process begins, which is the process of you and I experiencing what it means to be justified in real time at street level in all the areas of our life. And I'm here to tell you sanctification is a process that we're all in every single day of our journey with Jesus until he comes back or he calls us home. And I'm here to tell you, in the sanctification process, continual improvement is necessary. So sometimes people argue about this distinction. They're like, well, I'm perfect in Jesus. I'm like, yes, in Jesus you are perfect, but your experience of your life in Jesus is imperfect until you get to go home to be with him. So you have to keep working on it. So it's not salvation by works. It's actually you're justified by faith in Jesus. You're also sanctified by faith in Jesus. But when you are sanctified by faith in Jesus, it causes you to make different decisions. When you trust Jesus, you make different decisions. Just like when you said yes to Jesus, that was a different decision than you ever made before. In the same way, your growth in Jesus, you do it by faith in Jesus, but it causes you to make different decisions. And that's exactly what we see Nehemiah doing here. There are different areas that are kind of coming up. And Nehemiah is like, oh, no, no, no. Like, we're not having Tobiah living in the temple. No way. And I, you got to love that. Tobiah goes and throws all of his stuff out of the temple. Can you imagine? Like, don't you think Nehemiah's the man? Like, he's just taking the toaster, throwing it out of the temple. Taking his bed, getting that thing out of there. You know, just tossing the stuff out of there, and you can imagine everyone be like, Nehemiah, chill, bro. Like, he's just houseless. We just gave him a place to live. And Nehemiah's like, no, just tossing it. Jesus is real.
0: When you swim in someone's pool, there's often a little contraption bobbing around in the water, Its purpose is to dispense the necessary chemicals that keep the pool clean and in check. Well, today, Pastor Daniel shared that gratitude acts as that buffer for your life, pushing you toward health and joy. As you actively engage in gratitude, you'll be able to enjoy the things that you have without letting them become your treasure. Jesus wants you to keep your mind focused on the big things, the eternal things that matter so much more. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share more about how to stay the course in doing what it takes to keep the momentum of growth in your walk with Jesus. You'll learn that keeping things working as they should requires constant evaluation to make sure that you're on the right path. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Honest. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.